morning, everyone. Some of you are listening. Do you remember the lesson from last week? You keep moving. Some of you are still in your same spots. <laughs> Some of you that are moving around, be an influencer, okay? Get to meet people. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you, everybody that's here, of course, and those of you watching later online. Um, in this new series we're in about church community, I hope you've been following along and hope, hopefully you've been enjoying what the Lord has in, in that time together. Um, Today is really interesting how this one's working out. Um, this sermon series and things that we do with the team here is so far in advance. It's months in advance uh, that we do uh, these things and kind of put ahead uh, what we're going to preach on, what we're going to teach on. And it's really interesting to me how this one today landed where it landed today. And I'll just give uh, God the glory for that today, okay? So, um, if, um, unless you've been really kind of living under a rock lately, um, the world in which we live in needs hope. And really that's our series today. We're going to talk about a church community that uh, really is there to be a voice of hope to the world. Uh, people need to have hope. Uh, it keeps us moving forward. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I always got to have something to put my faith and my hope in to get me through the tough times that are around me and the things I'm going through, right? This, this world we live in is rough. It can be tough on you. There's so much stuff going on, and with all the stuff going across in the, the promised land area of our world, and, you know, it can create a lot of anxiety. It can create a lot of... Um, different just doubts and things like that. But we got to have something we can anchor our hope in, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, unfortunately, these present troubles and all these things happen around us, um, they bring so much uncertainty into our world. Um, it's really amazing this week talking to Christians and uh, other believers, and it's just like, it's like, wow, I don't know. Uh, what's all, I, I don't know. All this uncertainty comes into our minds. Uh, our TV programs and news and all this stuff now gives us all this stuff live, you know. It's like, like the, the bombs are flying through the air and we're seeing them, you know. And it's crazy to think about that that's where the world is. Uh, things like poverty is no longer isolated to one area of the world. It kind of, you know, always has been there. Jesus said that the poor will always be with you, Right. But it just seems like that's more widespread, hunger, disease, terrorism, things like this, destruction. They create a constant need for hope. And it's pretty interesting how the Lord plans all this out and works all this stuff, is that all these things are kind of orchestrated for our good. Um, too many of the world's population, however, has given up hope. Really. Um, when you look around us, there's so much of the world that just kind of threw in the towel when it, re when it comes to hope, saying there is no longer anything to look forward to. It just, no, that's it. This, I, I can't have any hope in this world, so it leads to despair. In fact, 
The Webster's Dictionary uh, definition for despair is actually the complete loss or absence of hope. And you think about that. If you've ever been in despair, you've ever been troubled, it's when we get to this place in our mind and in our heart that there's, I'm just going to give up. There's nothing left to put my hope into. Well, today we're going to look to the word of the Lord. Uh, there's always hope in it. Uh, we're going to look to it today uh, and try to find out how we can do that. But also we're going to look about how we can be a voice of hope to the world that so desperately needs it, right? So we need to be that as followers of Jesus. So let's pray and ask him to show us what that is. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you are our hope. Thank you that uh, whenever we find ourselves in despair, that we can turn to you. You are it. In you alone we place our hope. So Lord, as we navigate through the scriptures today and look for some encouragement to increase our faith and hope, uh, would you do that for us today, Lord? Please, just ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So I picked a verse today that is just packed full of hope. So John 3.16, right? We, we kind of know this verse. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, you know this verse. Uh, it's amazing how many buildings and um, billboards and even at the end of football stadiums that John 3.16 is advertised. And why is that? Because this verse, the people that put that on the side of buildings, the people that stand in the end zone with a big old John 3.16 sign, they believe that this is the hope for all mankind uh, in that verse. And that verse, um, as you well know, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, right? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life full of hope. But as you um, will see this morning, not everybody believes in that hope. Um, without dissecting that verse all by itself, which if you ever, if there's any one verse you want to commit to memory, commit that one. Because in it is the good news. It talks about God the Father. It talks about everlasting life. It talks about our faith. If there was any one verse you want to commit to memory, commit that one. So today we're going to talk about hope from the Lord. That's what our, where our hope needs to come from. Um, not, the, not the kind of hope in the sense of um, how the word is used today. Not in the sense um, where people often say, um, I hope it doesn't rain. Not that kind of hope. Or I, I hope you have a safe drive home. Or even better yet, I, I hope the Lions win today. <laughs> They've actually been doing pretty good lately. But that's not the kind of hope that we see in the Bible. Uh, this kind of hope is just a wish for something good to happen. And that's not what biblical hope is all about, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We certainly watered down the meaning of hope when we use it so flippantly nowadays, uh, the word hope. Not the kind that the Bible uses, however. Whether we subconsciously have done this or 
consciously done this, uh, we've turned hope into a wish. Biblical hope is not a wish. I hope you believe that today. Biblical hope is not a wish. Um, Biblical hope is either a noun or a verb. That's why I like that. It's used a bunch of different ways in the Bible, but whenever we're talking about what we're going to talk about today, biblical hope, it's either a noun or a verb. And that when it's used as a noun, it's in a person, right? A noun is what? Person, place, or thing, right? So our hope is in a person, and that person is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, Biblical hope can be a verb in the sense that it is faith. Faith is, we know as Christians, is not just a a term. It is an action. It's something that we exhibit. It's not just something like, well, I have faith that the Lions are going to win or I have hope that the Lions are going to win. No, this is something that is carried out in action. We'll explain that. Think of faith and hope as siblings. Faith is born first. So it's the firstborn. Uh, And hope is born after faith. So that's really important for us to kind of get a handle on uh, as we think about those two being interlocked together. Uh, Even though they are born at different times, they need each other. Like our own children, they are two distinctive children on their own, but yet um, they need each other. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, and, and now abide in faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these things is love. And so Paul talks about these being interlinked and these characteristics of the Christians. We should be exhibit, exhibiting these things. We've talked about faith and we've talked about love so far in this series. Um, but today we're going to kind of concentrate a little bit on hope, but how they're all linked actually together. Faith is the firstborn because faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Think about that for a second. Uh, We all know what the word confidence means. But faith is the confidence in what we hope for. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says in 11.1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what makes hope. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Hope is looking forward to the future. So you can see the difference, right? Now, we'll use them incorrectly sometimes, and we'll talk about faith in the future, and then we'll talk about sometimes hope in the present, and which are not totally wrong, But I want you to kind of think of it that way when we're talking about faith and hope. Which one comes first? Faith. And then faith is grounded in the past where hope is something is looked forward to the future, but they're linked. Um, The way I kind of illustrate that to you, my granddaughter just stayed overnight last night with us and they're always a blast and they're growing so fast and they're going to be adults here pretty quick and I'm going to hate it. But... The, the one thing, if you want to get them excited about something, is just mention that we're going to dinner to Culver's. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it's in the morning, I could say something like this, 
in the morning, I go, okay, how about dinner at Culver's today, girls? And they're jumping up out of their shoes, and they're screaming, and they're high-fiving, and this is Culver's, right? But they just absolutely love that. Um, they are excited all day long, actually. Like, eagerly, all day long, looking forward to dinner at Culver's. This is hope, in a sense. It's kind of like an illustration, but this is what hope is about. Hope, though, is grounded in faith. And so what's the faith that they're grounded in this? Well, Grandpa's promised this in the past, and we, he's actually carried out on his promise, and he has taken them to Culver's in the past. So their faith is in a sense already been grounded in that we've done this before. Grandpa said that it was going to come true, and it happened. And their hope is that what he said has come true in the past is going to happen again in the future. And so they're excited. And so they're eagerly anticipating going to Culver's. But this is the way it is for you and I in the Christian faith. Our belief inside of us reveals itself in joy. If we really believe in the things that God has said that are there for our future, we should be like my grandkids. We should be like excited all the time. Of course, we have an enemy, right? And he's there to knock us down and to kick our teeth in and I'll do all these things that he does. But that's, if we really have the faith that is grounded in God's promises in the past, our future hope should be inside of us and just anticipating that. Without a foundation of faith, there is no hope. I'll let you percolate that one for a second. Without a true foundation of faith, there is no hope. And without hope, there is no true faith. So do you see how they work together? You got to have them together. They kind of interlink with each other. It's hard to say that you have faith and, well, I don't really have much hope for the future. That's not true. We should have faith and hope. And then you can say, well, I got a lot of hope for the future, but I really don't have, my faith isn't grounded in anything. It's just words. It's not true. So you can see how the two are together. So biblical hope is a confident hope. It's not the kind we talked about as we spoke about the lions. When we use hope as an adverb or an adjective, it, they're really just modifiers in that sense. We lack confidence in the things we hope for. Um, we say things like, hopefully, there's a God. Hopefully. Or, I'm hopeful that heaven is a real place. Hopefully, I'm hopeful. That's not what biblical confident hope is. Uh, the, my Bible dictionary says this, in the Bible, hope is not normally expressed as desire. In other words, something that uh, one would like something good to happen. That's not what biblical hope is. But as an expectation, something good that one knows is going to happen, and so it is anticipated. And there's where the excitement, and there's where the joy comes from. 
Christians are to be a people of faith and hope. Both. They kind of go together. Um, we have the hope of eternal life. Which God, the Bible says, does not lie. Remember my example of grandpa and the grandkids? The reason they trust me that when I say we're going to Culver's, we're going to Culver's. Do you have that same kind of trust in God who says we have eternal life? Eternal life isn't something we would like to have happen, is it? Eternal life is something we know is going to happen. Paul says this through his, to Titus. He says, uh, the very first book of, uh, or first verse of Titus, he says, Paul, a bondservant of God, meaning God was willingly locked himself to God and was a slave to God so that whatever God asked him to do, he would do. And as an apostle of Jesus Christ, um, speaking of his authority that God had given him to go out and preach the gospel, according to the faith of God's elect, and what he's talking about there is his, um, it's for the sake of the people uh, that God has chosen to be his people, that he is a bondservant and an apostle. And the acknowledgement of, acknowledgement of the truth would accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So God has promised eternal life since the very beginning. And so for us, in order to have this kind of biblical hope, this confident hope, we must have faith. They got to be together. However, like most people would say, faith and hope are not a crutch. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had people kind of hit you up with that one that says you, you, you're a believer in Jesus or you go to church because it's a crutch. Whenever you get in trouble, uh, you, you go to church. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I go to church to be with you guys. When I struggle with something, I go to the Lord, obviously, but our community or our, our community of faith and hope is here. This is where I come to. In a sense, it is a crunch, but it's not for weak people, like some people say. It actually, faith and hope involves our minds. We're not just ignorantly falling into this thing we call faith. It actually takes some thought. It actually takes some, um, some of our mind. Faith looks at the evidence, then trusts in the facts that it will bring hope. See what that is? I'll say it again. Faith looks at the evidence, then trusts in the facts that brings hope. Example, Christians say we have faith in Jesus, right? Based on what? The facts. We have the facts. We have the facts. God said he would deliver his people from a bondage of sin. We read that and when we read. Really, the Bible is really about what we're going to talk about here. We're so simple sometimes. There's a lot in here and there's a lot of places we can go to encourage us and grow in our faith. But really this is his story of getting you and me back. That's what the Bible is. That's really what it is. That I, I'm so simple sometimes. But that's really what this is. God loves you and he wants you back. 
And he said he would do that. He said he'd deliver his people from the bondage of sin. He sent sinless Jesus to die in our place for the forgiveness of sin. That we could be delivered from that sin. God did not leave Jesus in death, but raised Jesus three days later. And with that, we too have the hope of eternal life. In the same way that Jesus was resurrected, we have the hope of eternal life. Thus, that faith that we have is based on the facts, the facts of the Bible. Now, hope is born from our faith and grounded in a future promised event. So that's what real biblical hope is. It's grounded in facts, faith, that's what it is. We got faith now. And based on what God has said in the past, we can go forward and look for what he say is going to happen in the future. So that's why I say to you so much today, um, yeah, I'm concerned about Israel. And I am concerned about our, the Arab nations. And I am concerned about the United States and everybody in between. But I, again, I get, it, I get too simple when I think about this. I think we can talk about all different ways to bring peace. And we can talk about all different ways to make things better. But only one thing is going to make things better. And that's the Prince of Peace. And he's been here once and God says that he's going to come again. Is that some hope for you this morning? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So, not that we, you know, completely just click through the news and say, oh, that's Israel's problem. No, not at all. But at the same time, we look at that with hope. We know that what the Bible says about it, that these things must happen in order for Jesus to come. So, we know he's coming. We have biblical hope. Romans 8:24 says, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? So faith, grounded in the past, hope is in something we can't even see. But we can see it because of the past. Kind of weird, isn't it? Kind of weird. But it's true. Our hope is like faith, not a crutch. Hope involves our faith what looks at the evidence and trusts these facts. Our hope is a confident expectation that should produce joy, not despair. It doesn't mean that we don't go through things. It doesn't mean that we don't have things that we're going to be troubled with. But we shouldn't stay there long, guys. We shouldn't stay there long. We need to look back at what God has done in the past have our faith anchored in that, and then move forward in trusting what he says will be in the future, and that is hope. Romans 15 says, For whatever things were written before we, uh, were written for our learning, that through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. So where do you go when you find yourself in despair? the scriptures. We get on our knees, we pray, we talk to God, but then just start reading. And there isn't anything in, from one, from start to end that I can tell you that will not leave you in despair. You will be launched into hope just reading through the scriptures. That's what the scriptures tell us, that they're there for. They're there to give us hope. 
So, here we sit. We have faith based on the truth of the Bible. And we have a confident hope grounded in future promises of our Lord. But we want to be a voice of hope to our community. How, is this hap How does this happen? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13 one more time. It says, now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is what? Love. So how do you get this faith and this hope to our community? Love. You have to love people. You will love people. Each of us um, has someone we know that does not have this hope. If we dig around in our memory and our families and our workplaces and our community, there's going to be somebody that the Lord will bring to your mind that does not have this, this hope. So, if you and I are here today and called on the name of the Lord and been uh, forgiven of your sin, I know this about you, that you love people. Because he now lives inside of you. He loved you, he got you to him, and now you love people, and that's our job, guys. We are here to transmit this and be a voice of hope to our friends and our community. So we must be a voice. And why must we? Romans 10. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? How can they do this? How can they call on somebody they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a preacher. Actually, that word preacher here just means announcer, proclaimer, in a voice. So you are a preacher if you know Jesus. You are uh, an announcer. You're a proclaimer. And you're a voice to our community. This reason we are looking at John 3.16 today is because it contains the hope for all mankind. So that's why I ask you to or encourage you to commit that to, to memory. Because if you get in a situation where you're around somebody you love that doesn't know Jesus and you want to bring hope to them, just walk through this verse with them. Just walk through John 3.16. It'll give them all the hope they need to move forward. You may have to explain some things. You may have to get kind of uh, into it with them a little bit. You just can't recite the verse and walk away. But at the same time, um, this is the, the faith and the hope that talks about eternal life. But remember, their faith must come before their hope. And that's why that order is so important. So if I have someone that doesn't have the hope, what must I encourage them to do? Put their faith and trust in Jesus our Lord, right? So how can we be this voice? How, how can we do that? So today I am giving you a tool to, to do this. Um, each of us can simply tell the truth, tell the good news to someone we, we love. And we can do this with pictures if necessary. So I often, um, in coffee shops and restaurants, that's kind of where I like to meet people, and out comes the napkins uh, with a pen or my notepad. And if I'm ever wanting to explain faith and hope to someone, 
here's the pictures that I use. So put up the first pick up there, would, would you, Ken? There it is. There's my sketch. You're free to take pictures of my sketch. You're free to copyright, and uh, it's not copyrighted, and this is a um, very well-known way to show people how to, um, what our situation is, to tell the truth. So in this, the Bible teaches that God is a holy God. So you see God on the left-hand side there. It says that he is holy and that he is light. The idea behind the concept of holiness is really just separation. That's what holy means. When God tells us to be holy as he is holy, he means to separate from sin. That's what he's talking about when he says that to us. But God has separated himself from sin because sin and God cannot be together. So in turn, there's this great big cavern between us on the right-hand side who is sinful and dark as opposed to holy in light. And then I have some verses there that you can kind of uh, put there, but John uses the same figurative language in the First John 1, 5, and he says this, this is the message what we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So there we see the concept of holy, um, that God is holy. He's on one side and there's this great big gap between him and us. Now on the other side, we are not holy and we are in darkness. And that's a fact. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of glory of God. You know, I say didn't just say everybody but the people in the journey church have sinned and fallen short of God, of glory of God. He says everyone. We all have done this. I, I'm not bragging about that. It's a shameful thing to have fallen into sin, right? We know this. But at the same time, it's a fact. You ever want to tell your loved ones and your... Uh, people you care about, and you're trying to give them peace and hope. You've got to get to this point. You've got to tell them that God is holy and we are not. And there's a gap. And so we're separated. We are separated by the great divide. Our whole unholiness is caused by disobedience, of course, right? And that's what sin really is. And unless something changes, our eternity will, sp will be spent without God. Think about that for a moment. We're all, we're eternal beings. I hope you know that. The Bible teaches that, right? Is that even though our body goes to the grave, where it come from, we have a soul. And that soul, uh, if you're a believer, God breathed his spirit into your life. And now you will be a living soul that is influenced by his spirit. But whether you're influenced by his spirit or not, you will live eternally. And so I use that great big gap. Sometimes I'll draw flames down in the bottom of that gap uh, because the Bible speaks of eternal judgment and that literally without God, without us getting back to God, we will fall into this pit, per se, again, just an illustration, but showing that we will live eternally separated from him, not just apart from him and on a different island, 
but we're going to be in a place called hell, which is eternal judgment. So we know this. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So this is what we all deserve as being sinners. We know, we know this. You can transfer this information onto your loved one and your friend. Remember, the napkin works great. So you've got them to this part where you understand that we're separate and the wages of that is sin. So they have to look at that. You and I have to look at that as this is what the payment for me being a sinner is death. Next, you can say, well, God has provided a bridge. So look at the next picture. This is where John 3.16 comes into play. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes him should not perish and have everlasting life. So now we all of a sudden there is a gap that has been covered. Something has gone across the gap. God's love for people compelled him to provide this bridge. God so loved. And how did that bridge get there? He gave his only son, sinless Jesus. He, that bridge was his son. And his death was more than just his death, that he died for the penalty of our sins, although that is paramount. But what that has done is provided a way for you and me and for our loved ones to get back to God because we're separated. Remember, sinful man, holy God. Light, God, dark, us. Jesus suffered the death that we deserved for our sin. First Peter 2 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. So Jesus bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we, having died to our sins, can live a righteous life before God today. We can, we can be different people. We can come out of the darkness and move into the light. The power of sin has been broken. When a person grasps this reality, this is when sin loses its grip. For us that keep falling back into sin all the time, I would just, I would just say to you this, this this morning, get a grasp on this reality, that Jesus died for you, that he died for your sins, your past, present, and future sin. And let that soak into you today. Let that be a, a, bring you out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus bore our sins in his own body so that you and I can live in the light and not in darkness no more. But God did not leave Jesus in death, did he? If that was the case, there would be no hope. If, G if, if Jesus died, then there was no power of God, really, that we could see. But history tells us, the truth tells us, that Jesus rose from the grave. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's power resurrected Jesus, so our hope is not a dead hope, but a living hope. He lives. Jesus lives. So, here's your final addition to your napkin note. Number Slide number three there, guys. It says, 
A person walks across the bridge when he receives God's gift. So you see that I draw, drew on there Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. That's how we get to God when we receive the gift. It's one thing, this is where I was stuck for a lot of my young life, is that I believe that God loved the world. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. But I never received that gift that God had for me. It was like I knew of these things, but it never penetrated my heart. And so maybe even the person you're writing this stuff down on a napkin to, they may know these things. They may know John 3.16 just by heart, but is it in their heart? Or is it just stuck in their head? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through your faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. None of us have the ability to build a bridge. Put that picture up there again, would you please, Ken? None of us have this ability to make a bridge back to God. Not, none of our works, none of the good things we do, none of these things can build a bridge like God has built a bridge. It has to be received. It has to be a gift. And that's what we want to translate. That's how we can be a voice to our community. We need to tell them the truth. We need to tell them that we're separated by God because of our sinfulness, but Jesus died in our place for the forgiveness of sin. And that we need now to just receive that free gift. Just have to receive it. And you say, well... How can they do that? Um, again, they just need to admit their need like you and I had to do. If you're sitting here today, that's how you got to Jesus. That's how you got across the bridge. You had to admit that you were a sinner, that you, you, you have fallen short of his glory. Letting him know that you were willing to uh, turn from that sin and walk the other way is crucial for you and I. And that's the same thing you just have to tell our loved ones. The person that you're sitting in the coffee shop with, tell them that if they believe that Jesus died for them on the cross, they too can have eternal life. It's not real complicated, is it, guys? The napkin's pretty simple way. Using that in John 3.16 or maybe a couple other Bible verses, we can get people, we can be that voice uh, of hope to our people that we love and we care about. And then you just have to tell them, just like you and I have, tell them they, if they want to receive this gift, they can. They just have to pray, just like you and I have. Praying is just talking to God. I talk about that every single week here, is that praying is not complicated. We just go to the Lord, and we just start talking to him. Let him know that you, um, you know, you're sinful. You acknowledge these things, and you need to be saved, and that you want him to come into your life, and you want to follow him the rest of your days. That's how easy it is. So how can you be a, a voice to um, the people? 2 Corinthians 3.12 says this, Therefore, since we have such hope, in other words, you and I have this hope, you, we use great boldness of speech. Not easy to sit with somebody we care about and love and maybe even a public setting and we know the life they're, they're, they're living in around but, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be bold. There's so many people without hope in this world. You have that hope. The Scripture says, therefore, since you have this hope, you need to use great boldness of speech. We just have to tell them. 
And I know that can be rough, and I know it can be hard, but I don't imagine that it was real easy for Jesus to make that bridge either, was it? But he was bold. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So as Dave kind of comes up here and kind of ends our time together, I hope you've been encouraged today to be a voice in our community. That's the encouragement today. It's one thing to sit in here and have faith and we have the hope and the, we're excited and we're expected uh, and we have this great joy in ourselves. We can't wait for Jesus to come back. But remember, Jesus said he was coming again. John 14, 3 says, And if I go, this is Jesus speaking, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Oh, man, that's way better than Culver's for me. That where I am, there you may be also. Where he is, we will be also. We can't see him yet. This is a future thing, right? We don't, we can't see Jesus sitting on the throne. We can kind of imagine that that's what he's doing. We've been told by the scriptures that that is true. So we have faith in it and we have hope in it. But like Culver's, we confidently, joyfully expect this event to happen. I hope you're excited about Jesus coming back. I know there's things in this world that it's all we know and we've kind of gotten used to. But oh my goodness, we've spent this time in this life without the presence of God in Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, when we have him living inside of us, those that have trusted him, of course. And because of that, that's why the Spirit is called a comforter. We, we know that he is real because of the Spirit that lives inside of us. But at the same time, we've really lived a life separate from God. Man, I get excited about spending all of eternity with my God, the, my God that has saved me in spite of my sin. So do you have that same kind of love is the, really the challenge today. Do you have that same kind of love for someone you know that doesn't have this hope? Man, I'd love to meet all your friends. I'd love to get out the napkin. I would love to do this with every single person. But that's not what Jesus has called us to be as disciples. He's called us to be a voice, a proclaimer in our own right. That's how the word spreads. Greater things will we do than he. And that's how greater things get done. More things get done than just one person in the name of Jesus. So I'm hoping you were encouraged by that today. Um, you ever heard of the blessed hope? Ever heard of that term before? Well, it comes out of Titus. Titus 2 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our blessed hope. Like I said, I pray today that uh, today your faith was increased and your hope was strengthened. If you have not yet taken that step of faith and you've just had this kind of hopeless hope, hope, I hope heaven is real. I hope there is a Jesus. I hope there is eternal life. If that's you and today God is knocking on your door, I would suggest that you do not wait. I suggest that you take that step Receive that free gift. And we'll have people up here 
Ryan will come up, myself, we'll be here if you want to pray and ask Jesus uh, to be your Savior. So our hope is in him. Psalm 146.5 says this, and we'll end this way. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So let's take a few moments like we do each and every week. We'll pray. Just ask him to speak to you. You speak to him. Ask him to give you the courage to be the voice in your community. And like I said, maybe you haven't yet trusted Jesus. There's no shame in that. The shame is not is going outside this door knowing he is knocking on your door today and not answering. So I pray that you'll spend a few moments with him and then I'll come back and close our service together. Father God, um, I know we're excited about seeing you again. We're excited and anticipate our life with you eternally. But I pray today, Lord, that I know it's easy to get sidetracked living in this world. And I know that there are people here today that may have, may have allowed the enemy to speak a little bit into one ear or the other or maybe even both ears and say that there is no hope. But I pray today that somehow they were encouraged that there is much to look forward to. There is much hope in you. That yeah, we, we get tricked. We fall. But you're right there to stretch out an arm and grab and pick us right back up again and give us that eternal blessed hope. So Lord, thank you for the, your word. Thank you that your whole entire book is just about getting us back. I pray today that we continue to trust it, continue to have future hope in you and that you're coming back. May that go with us today as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, um, I hope your cars and your vehicles are stuffed with pens and napkins going forward. So every time you get to a restaurant, you are ready to plot out the course for someone you care about. With that charge, I leave you today. Go to Culver's. Have a good day. We'll see you next week. <laughs>